0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? It's a beautiful spring day. I got up and it was all rainy. and I was a little, a little sad. But then uh, the sun started coming. I had a pink shirt on. It's hard to be sad with a pink shirt on, especially right in the middle of spring. So I, I'm excited to get the opportunity to share with you all today. Uh, it's, I especially like it since Pastor's not here. It's, it's a little different. He's not here today. His uh, brother-in-law is actually being ordained in Fort Wayne, Indiana with Vineyard. So they're up there uh, just partnering with him and his ministry and stuff like that. So that's an exciting time. So he's not here, so I don't I don't have that pressure to look over and see him and, and that hair and those eyes and, and all that fun stuff. But I do also enjoy, I get a little bit of satisfaction of him thinking, what is he gonna say? That <laughs> I might go off just a little bit. So, Pastor, if you're listening, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. All right, so like Jeremy said, today I'm going to be wrapping up the Acts of the Apostles and the Acts of the Apostle Paul series. So before I get started, uh, let's just let's take, a, let's take a minute just to I have a quick prayer. Father God, we are just so excited that uh, we can join with each other today, whether it's in person, whether it's online, that we can just come together as a body and just hear what you have to speak to us and, and say to us, and I just pray that we can all be open to hear today and that we will be changed because of what you have said and done today. We just ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I got a question. Does anybody here miss being young? I'm talking, I'm talking people my age, <laughs> not, not, not you all young people, people in their mid-twenties. You know, people, people my age, do you miss being young? And I'm talking like adolescent, like 10 to 14 when you would oh see, I grew up in downtown Frankfurt. We'd start at one end, we'd walk 45 minutes to somebody's house just to see if they were home. And they're not home, we're like, well, okay. So we would just turn and walk 30 minutes to somebody else's house just to see if they were home. And you know, we we had our tight group of friends. And another good thing about that age group is when you that's when you start getting nicknames. Did anybody here have a cool nickname growing up, one that you can share? Nobody? Well, our be- the best nickname of my crew of people was Buzzard. We had a guy, we called him Buzzard. We still call him Buzzard to this day. And uh, I, had, I had some different nicknames. Uh, because of the Goonies, a lot of people call me Chunk. <laughs> I will not do the Truffle Shovel. Don't ask. See, I had wanted to set that out there. And some of the older middle schoolers and the high schoolers at Frankfurt High and Second Street, they all called me Spaceman. No idea how they got that. But that's what they called me. And But my most popular nickname was Dan Dan. That's the one that almost everybody called me. I still get called that today by a lot of the people that I grew up with. Uh, I embraced it so much that I even had a personalized license plate that said Dan Dan. Oh, there it is. Look at that guy. Yes. I will be signing 8 by 10 glossies of those after. Jeremy West thought I was wearing a turtleneck. That is, in fact, a dickie. I'm just telling you. So... But I loved the name Dandan Dan so much that that's what I rode around town with. I had that on there. And I'm also excited to tell everybody today that I'm getting a new nickname. Uh, I'm going to start being called Dee Dee. Uh, Amy and I found out that our daughter Alyssa is going to have a child in October, so we're going to become grandparents. So we're excited about that. Thank you all. Um, this, is, this is the day we've told some people, but we've been waiting to kind of this and where I knew I was going to be sharing we can kind of put it out there. So we're excited. In the middle of October, we're going to become grandparents. But back to being a kid, one of the things that changed my life forever in that age group were video games. Now, I'm not talking about Atari, uh, Nintendo, Xbox, or anything like that. I'm talking like the old school, big wood box a screen, one handle, two buttons. You know, you walk up to it, slap a quarter down, say next, and you step up to it. You never wanted to swab the handles of any of those things. But when, when those things came out, I was hooked instantly. I especially love the feeling of making the top score page. That was cool. Do you remember how many letters you got when you made the top score page? That's right. You got three. And, and I mainly played video games at downtown Frankfurt at the YMCA, but I can remember the first time I went to an arcade. There were tens of tens of arcade games just lined up around there weren't that many arcade games, Jeremy. <laughs> I started to say hundreds and hundreds, but I had to go with tens of tens. Of tens. But, but you could walk in there, and you could hear the, the dinging and the sounds and, and all the excitement that was going on. Now, I'm going to get to Paul, I promise, but my love of video games culminated one time a year. So I would, we would take this missionary journey to the faraway land of Ohio, and we would go to the Mecca that was known as King's Island. And we would go and we would ride all the rides. And yes, I was tall enough to ride all the rides. (laughs) I still get asked that today, but yes. But once we finished riding all the rides, we would go to the very back of King's Island and by La Rosa's Pizza was an arcade. And in that arcade was the one video game that that's the only place I ever saw it. And it was Popeye. The Popeye video game came out in 1982, and I would wait that year to go back to King's Island to be able to play it again because that's the only place that I ever saw it. Now, in in Frankfurt and those who saw the video games at King's Island, they didn't know Daniel Lee Rogers. They didn't know Dan Dan or Chunk or anything like that. They only knew the legend DTM. Now, does anybody want to guess what DTM stands for? Dan the Man. I was bestowed that name by, by my little group of misfits as I would stand there hunched over, you know, playing the video games. I, w- I would be sweating, chugging mellow yellow. I would go minutes without food, and, and, and I would just sit there and just play. The people at Kings Island and all these, they only knew of the missionary DTM. And Now, my journeys were nothing like that of Paul, and, and lots of people all over the world have heard of Paul and his ministries and, and what he shares and all of the things that he's done, and we've been in this Acts of the Apostle Paul series, and one thing that easily gets tripped up, especially where we've been in the, the starting part of Paul, is the name. You talk about Saul, then you talk about Paul, then we go back to Paul, and then we start talking about Saul, and it can kind of get confusing. Now, if we go back, though, when Pastor shared the story of Paul's conversion there on the Damascus Road, Jesus called him Saul when he was speaking to him. And today, we're going to be looking primarily in Acts 13 and 14, and it's in Acts 13, 9 that we first hear the name Paul. It says, but Saul, who was also known as Paul. So there's a little bit, it says he was also known as Paul. So his name change wasn't like that in the Old Testament where God gave somebody a new name. Like, you know, Abram became Abraham, Jacob became Israel. This says that Saul was also known as Paul. So uh, we've been learning, Paul was a learned Jew that was born in the Roman city of Tarsus. And now at that time, it was actually common for people to have two names. One would be the Jewish name, and then the other would be their Gentile or their Roman name. And they were both used at the same time whenever they were in trouble. Paul's mom probably said, Saul, Paul, get over here. She probably got confused too, like the rest of us. But, uh, and back then, when you were given a name, it it meant something. You know, you weren't just named after a drinking buddy or just a name you thought was cool or anything like that. Your name actually had meaning. And Saul means, asked for or prayed for, and the name Paul actually means small or little. So the name change actually is significant, and Paul even addresses it in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 19 through 23. three. Gonna, it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to be reading it from the message because I love the way it puts it. It says, "'Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone,' I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose-living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. I did it all because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I want to be in on it. So as Paul is going out, by going by the name Paul, uh, he could approach Gentiles and they would understand what his name meant. So he could speak to them kind of in their language and uh, knowing that, that would kind of put them at ease he wanted to to be familiar and it could also be that the name Saul had a different meaning to it to when people would hear that cuz that was who he was but now he's Paul and going out on this ministry by by going by Paul that let people know that he was little he was small it was the words that he was sharing that's what was important and that's just, like I said, one of the reasons when we start looking into it that Saul would now want to be called Paul is because he was going to go out and start sharing with everyone. Does anyone, can someone tell me, somebody that goes out and shares, what's, what are those people called? Missionaries. Well, we got, missionaries go out. They travel around doing it. Uh, when we think of Paul, we often think of the Apostle Paul, but he was also one of the first missionaries. In Acts 13, 1 through 5, it says, Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Pastor, I'll never make fun of you and all the names again, uh... While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached the Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. So here it is. Paul and Barnabas, they're the first missionaries. They're being sent out by the church. And they were getting huge followings wherever they went. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Justin was talking about how when they would go into the synagogues, there would be both Jews and Gentiles, and they would listen intently. Now, if you read on just a little bit further in Acts sixteen or Acts 13, 16 through 41, it kind of details uh, the sermon or what they would share at the time. And what they would do is they would, they would like, follow the, the history of the Jews. And then they would start out you know, early on. Then they would talk about the exodus from Egypt. And then they would talk about the, David and the lineage of all the kings and, and how Jesus was supposed to, to come from their history. He would, they would de- he would detail to them uh, how Jesus was who God sent and how he was crucified and his resurrection. He used what was familiar to them and how Jesus was predicted to come and how Jesus was the, the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting on. And the people absolutely loved it. Uh, if we keep reading on in forty two, verse 42, it says, As Paul and Barnabas were going out, The people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. That's huge. The entire city was coming together to listen to these two guys preach. And they loved it. Everybody loved it. Well, except for the Jewish leaders. And this actually seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of the stuff we've been learning and going through the New Testament. You know, so many are excited to hear that the Savior has come, except for the ones who've been waiting for the Savior to come. You know, it's funny to me that the people that were most condemning of Jesus and his followers were the ones who were waiting on him. And then in the very next verse, after what I just read, the uprising starts again. In verse 45, it says, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul, and they were blaspheming. We've we've been talking about this as we've gone through the Acts of the Apostles, and now that we've uh, been in the Acts of the Apostle Paul, that they met opposition every single place that they went to. But what have we learned? They continue to preach and they continue to share. They did that despite the hardships that they faced. I mean, they were stoned, they were whipped, they were put in jail, they were chased out everywhere they went, but they did not stop sharing. And because they refused to stop, lives were being changed constantly. You know, we see here that the first missionaries are experiencing a lot of the same things that Jesus experienced from the Jewish leaders and also that the first apostles experienced. You know, a few weeks ago, I shared in the Acts of the Apostles series about the first uh, miracle that the, the apostles, when they went out, they performed. It was, it was uh, Paul and John, Peter and John, and they healed the lame man. This man was lame from birth, and then they healed him, and then the religious leaders immediately took him in, and they asked them, by what name are you doing these miracles? Well, if we look at the missionaries the first missionaries that are going out and look at one of the first miracles they performed, we're going to see a lot of similarities. In Acts 14.8, it says, At Lystra, a man who was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. So just like one of the first miracles that the apostles performed, they told the lame man, silver and gold have I none, stand up and walk. And he did. Paul and Barnabas do the same thing. They tell this man to stand up and walk. Now there is a little bit of a difference though. They do meet opposition right away, but the leaders at the time ask them, they don't ask them by what name are they healing. They actually accuse them of being the ones that are doing the actual healing. They accuse Paul and Barnabas of doing it. In that verse 11, it says, When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. So they think Paul and Barnabas are actually Greek gods that have come down. They compare uh, Barnabas to Zeus and Paul to Hermes. Now, if I was Paul, I'd have been ill. I wouldn't be Zeus. If you're going to compare me to anybody, compare me to Zeus. Now, in all of my years of, of, of sharing and preaching and teaching, this, this has never been compared to the body of a Greek god. But, <laughs> so the people think that Paul and Barnabas are the ones that are doing the healing. Now, one difference between uh, what they're being accused of versus what Peter and John are being accused of is Peter and John were, were right there. They were all around Jerusalem and the surrounding areas when they were doing it, and it was also around the time of Jesus. So closer to there, the story would have been a lot more familiar. But Paul and Barnabas are a little further away, and it's a little later in time. So most of the people in that area may have known the story of Jesus and what had happened but they weren't as familiar, so it might have seemed the only thing they could really compare it to were the Greek gods coming down. It, it kind of makes me think of like living in Frankfurt. Almost every time I go to Lexington, I drive by Keeneland. Yes, Keeneland is beautiful. Now, when we have friends in South Carolina and in Florida, and when, when we're around talking, a lot of people are like, oh, you're from Kentucky, and they want to talk about you know, Keeneland and the horse races. We've been there, and we're like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But they look at you like, oh, you live by Keeneland? Tell me about it. They think there's horses everywhere and all kinds of weird stuff. You know, I kind of think it's like people that live next to Disney World and by the beach. To them, it's kind of not that big of a deal because they're around it all the time. And to us, landlocked Kentuckians, we think it's the greatest thing ever. You live by the beach? Do you go every day? Nah, I just go on the beach and I'd be there every day. You know, so it's kind of like that. The people in Rome were a little further away, so they didn't maybe see or understand everything being closer to Jerusalem. And, you know, it might have seemed to the people in Rome that this was more magical since that's all they could really, really get it to. So their minds were a little more blown and they just thought they were the Greek gods coming down. So going out and sharing and changing their mind, that's why being a missionary is so important. Missionaries can take the word of God and they can share it with people who may have never heard it or maybe didn't understand it or need to just hear it presented in a different way. And Paul and Barnabas... Being the first missionaries, uh, what they were doing by going out and sharing these things and showing what God can do, it it shows that missionaries are vital to the work of God. Now, Jesus actually stresses this in Acts 1.8. He says, But you will receive power, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So here Jesus is telling the disciples, y'all are about to take this message out to the end of the earth and that the way this is going to be done, it's going to be done through missionaries. Has anyone here ever done a missions or gone on a missions trip or anything like that? Yeah, I see a few hands going up. Um, We did a missions trip back in 2000. We went to Jamaica and we weren't part of a group or anything like that. We just, God had laid doing a mission trip on some friends of our hearts Friends of ours hearts. So we got it all together and we went to Jamaica. And what we did is during the day, we did a vacation Bible school at one of the local schools. And we had kids from all over the town coming in. And at night, we did a, re- a revival like in the town square in this second room of a church. That was interesting to say the least. I've got some stories about that while we were down there having our mission trip. <laughs> Um, and I'll be more than happy to, to share that with some of you all if you're ever interested. But during the day, like I said, we were with a bunch of school-age kids, like elementary kids and stuff like that. Now, anybody who knows me knows I love soccer. I will play soccer all the time, and in front of the school where we were, there was this huge grassy area. So we would dodge all the cow patties and stuff and just set out and play play soccer, and then the ball comes to me, and I look up to to pass it around, and some little kid in the distance, he starts going, fatty! Fatty, pass the ball! Fatty, pass the ball! I'm like, he's called me fat? I said, did he call me fat? He goes, yeah, 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 you're fatty. He goes, but the kid explained to me like it was a term of endearment, so now I got a new nickname, which didn't really stay in Jamaica, kind of followed me back home, but um, but at first I was offended. But then the, the kids telling me that, you know, my new nickname, they call me Fatty all week. So it, it kind of, it was cool. And uh, actually my wife, she still does missions work. Uh, she, goes to, she goes to Honduras every year. What would I say? I thought you were going to say she still calls you Fatty. Oh. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So my wife, she still goes on missions trip about every year. She goes to Honduras, and they do uh, medical missions, and they minister to people in some of the poorest towns uh, in Honduras. So, um, so if if you think to yourself, well, I've never gone to another country, so I'm not a missionary, let me ask you this question. Have you ever gone to a food bank, or have you ever, you know, gone to an outdoor church service? Have you gone out door-to-door sharing the gospel with other people? Well, guess what? If you've done any of those things, you're a missionary. You see, a missionary is defined as a member of a religious group sent into an area to promote their faith and perform ministries of service. So there's countless ways that you can serve. One of those ways is just in your community. If you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, we do a lot of outreach. Uh, We've done Hope Totes. Yes, sir, knew it was coming. All right, We've done that. We went to a park and we set up and we gave away hundreds of hot dogs and we had the opportunity to pray with some people that day. We've gone out and we've delivered meals house to house and done things like that. If you've taken a part in any of those things, Even if it's just donating, guess what? You're a missionary. You're just like Paul and Barnabas. And just like Peter and John and the miracles that they were able to perform in Jesus' name, you can go out and be a missionary in Jesus' name just like the apostle Paul did. You know, we talk a lot about grace and how important it is. And even though we don't deserve it, it's there for us. It's God's grace that makes us whole. That's, it doesn't matter your past. Uh, whatever you've done, God's grace is so much bigger than that. Whatever you think of yourself, God's grace makes you whole. Whatever people say about you, God's grace cancels that out. Think of the grace that Paul was shown. He did some pretty horrible things when he was known as Saul, yet God used him to change the world a huge part of the New Testament was written by Paul. He went out spreading the news of Jesus Christ. He met opposition everywhere he went. But he was challenged at every stop. And Pastor Justin has stressed to us many times that he kept going. Paul's desire to get the word of God out was greater than anything he wanted for himself. So I'm gonna ask you another question. In your life, if you think about it, Is there a way that you feel God's pulling you to share? Is there somebody that you feel like God is telling you to share with? Maybe it's somebody who knows the old you, knows you by that old nickname. I'm sure a lot of the people where Paul went, there were were times that he was remembered, no, you're Saul. And he would remind them, no, I am Paul. I have been made complete in Christ. And when you share that with people, that's, you, you can share about a love and a purpose that was never there before. You can share your Damascus, Damascus Road experience when you met Jesus. And when you share with other people, you are fulfilling the challenge that was given to us by Jesus in Acts 1.8. You can be God's witness in Jerusalem, which is locally. You can be God's witness in Judea and Samaria, which is like traveling around the country. You can even be God's witness to the ends of the earth. I hope that everyone in here today and watching that has chosen to follow Jesus would want to be considered a witness. Can we agree on that? We all need to be witnesses. Now, one thing I love to do whenever I'm studying or I'm preparing or going to be teaching or anything like that is I like to look back and see what what the original language that was written, what the the words mean. I looked at the Greek for Acts 1.8 and it caught me off guard. It's crazy what I found, and it's going to change me. We all just agreed that if we're followers, we should be witnesses. Do you know what the Greek word for witness is? It's this, martyres. Does that seem like a word that we hear today? A martyr. Until I was preparing this, I never thought I really wanted to die for my beliefs because that's what I thought a martyr was. But guess what? Now I want to be a martyr. I want to be a witness. I want to be a witness for Christ. So my challenge as we leave here today, are you willing to be like Paul? You might say to yourself, nah, the old me won't let that happen. God's grace covers that. Think of what Paul did. God used him in a mighty way. In that same way, God can use you if you're open and you're willing to it. Are you willing to share? Are you even willing to keep on sharing when they run you off? Or they reject you? It's getting harder and harder in today's world to stand up for your beliefs. You're gonna get knocked down, you're gonna get challenged, you're gonna face opposition everywhere you go. Especially when we go against what the norm is. But we still have to be willing to share. All of us in here, we're different. We all have different mannerisms and attitudes and and strengths and weaknesses and different abilities. But God can use those in a mighty way. So are you up to the challenge? Are you up to the challenge to be a witness? We're getting ready to go back into a couple of worship songs. And during that time, if, if you feel God is speaking to you, find, find one of us. We'd love to pray with you. If you, if. help you maybe get some clarity if you've got anything else going on in your life we want to pray for you all as well that's what we're here for we're here to to share in these gifts together you don't have to do it alone so uh as we're getting ready to head into more worship uh, feel free to stand just let the words get into your spirit we're gonna pray real quick father We are so thankful that you are willing to use us in spite of what we think of ourselves. And I pray that as we go out and we challenge ourselves to be witnesses for you, that when the oppositions come and we face all the challenges, that we can think back to your word and we can think back to what you did in Paul and how despite everything he had in his life, you spoke to him and you used him in a mighty way. And one of the biggest reasons you were able to do that is because Paul was willing. Paul was willing to push on. So I pray that when we feel like the weight of the world is on us and we can't do it anymore, that we can feel your strength to keep us moving forward and to keep us pushing on and pushing through and continuing to share the good news of Jesus Christ and that how God's grace is one of the most important things you can have in your life that can fill those voids that are there, that can take those holes that we feel like we have in our body and it can begin to fill those holes up and we can feel solid and strengthened once again. So Lord, in this time, speak to us.